So you have picked a great destination, a great place to spend your Sunday today. We are starting a brand new series, and I've been in prayer over this series, and I believe it's going to be a starting place for our church to go to the next level. Somebody say level. The next level. So the the starting of our new series today is titled Financial Fitness. Some of us need to financially get in shape, right? We need to... We need to get financially in shape. And do you know what happens when God's people are financially fit? His church is financially fit. Did you know that? God blesses his people so that those people can bless God's people. So we're going to spend the next couple weeks not talking about Joe money. We're going to be talking about God's money. Do you know that's where you start? At the revelation that your money ain't your money. <laughs> it's God's money. And so we're going to use God's word and we're going to open up the scriptures and study his word. You know, Jesus taught a lot about money. Why? I believe because Jesus and God knows that money's important. Money is important. It's a tool, right? We need money to live, but it can get skewed, it can get perverted, it can get upside down and backwards, and if you're not careful, you can chase money and forget all about God, and you can be doing all these things, trying to fix all your problems with with money, And, and money can fix a lot of problems, but don't fix them all. When you have an internal problem, when your spirit ain't right, only God can fix that. Bible says that any and every, all good things come from above. And so money is a gift from God, and he wants us to be stewards of that money, stewards of the gifts that he gives us. The thing is, and I know this, and so as I've been praying, I know each and every one of us are all at different levels and stages in our financial lives, right? Some of us rent houses, some of us own houses, some of us have a lot of debt, some of us don't have any debt, praise God. And so we're all over the spectrum, but guess what? Just because we're all over the spectrum, God's commandment about money is the same for you as it is for me. It's the same for President Donald Trump as it is for Billy Bob. Right? It's the same. God wants us to honor the things that he gives us. And what we're going to look at, we're about to jump in here in a second. I want to hit one more thing. What we're going to look at and what we're going to learn is how I use money is actually a revealer of the condition of my heart. If I'm blessed and I don't give anything, any of that blessing back to God where it came from, there's something wrong in your heart. You say you believe in heaven, but you've never invested a single penny into your eternal home. Is that wrong? That's wrong, right? So we're going to talk about some of these things, and I've really been praying that the Lord, I might step on some toes, and so don't, don't crucify me. Don't throw some stones at me. Amen. I'm just praying the Holy Spirit would speak to you. Because 
Y'all, I want to see this church grow. Does anybody else? And do you know how this church grows? It takes money. It takes resources. Statistically, they say that Christians, it's kind of funny because God, he tells us to bring in a tithe, 10% of what you make. If you make $30,000 a year, that means God says, You're, you, to be right with me, you need to bring in at least $3,000 into my storehouse. So he says bring in the tithe, and if you study churches and statistics, about 10% of every congregation tithes. 10%, and we might be a little below that. 10% of our congregation is paying our bills. And so I'm going to intentionally hopefully step on some toes, but I want you to see that, you know, church is where real amazing spiritual things happen. And I want this church to grow, but it's going to take a team. And I want to say thank you if you are faithfully tithing week in and week out. Because you're not just sowing into the kingdom of God. You're not just giving back to God. You're helping this church go to the next level. You're owning the home that you come to. You're owning the home where you're spiritually getting fed. And so I want to add one more thing. This year, through prayer and fasting, who, who all read that book that we all read as a church, 20, 21 Days to Make or Break a Habit? My Pastor Mark Batterson. There was a chapter in there he talked about, as a pastor sometimes, you know, to get some skin in the game for the vision of the church, it, he feels like sometimes he has to go to the church and, and say what's on his heart. And so the Lord just challenged me. I don't know if I've ever said this as we've been pastors here for about three years. But y'all know I work a full-time job. And I love my job. I love killing bugs, trying to kill bugs and, and mice. And I love my customers. And the Lord uses my job as an avenue to talk about God and talk about Jesus but when me and Jessica said yes to becoming pastors, our prayer was always that one day God would launch us, release us into full-time ministry. And we are far away from that. And I just share that because I want to get some skin in the game. I don't know if I've ever said that. The goal is so that your pastors can be full-time. And we do this basically for free. And I feel like I'm sharing this because I'm about to have another baby boy, praise God. And I know a lot of y'all can relate to this. I feel like I wear a lot of hats. I have the husband hat. I have the dad hat. I have the pastor hat. And I'm saying this strategically last, I have the bug man hat. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes I beat myself up, so pray for me. I feel like I miss the mark, and I feel like our church suffers sometimes because that bug man hat takes up a lot of my time. It takes up a lot of my energy. And I feel like our church suffers sometimes. And so I just want to share that with you so that you can be praying that our church can go the next level so that me and Jessica can be your full-time pastors. When you are sick at the hospital, we can come see you in the middle of the day on a Tuesday if we have to. We can come visit you at your house and pray because I'm not working full-time. Right? The goal is not so that I can work full-time so I can get paid from the church, but so that I can be a better pastor and shepherd to the people that God has placed in my life. Do you see that? 
And the only way we can do that is if this church grows and people continue to faithfully give. So if that's you, thank you so much. Amen. I love you. I love all of you. But let's go ahead and jump in. Look at that first point. So in order for us to be financially fit, we have to lose some weight. We have to get in shape. We have to build muscle. But first, we have to get a biblical understanding of money and what it means and what God says about money. Step one for us is we have to evaluate. We have to ask God. We have to say, God, where am I financially? Where am I? Am I financially thriving? If I'm financially thriving, am I giving back to you, God? Am I, at the minimum, am I faithfully giving my tithe back to you? And if I'm not thriving, am I not thriving because maybe I'm not giving to God? Is that, that the answer to the same question? Because in order to receive, you have to first give. And so the answer to that question is, is really the same no matter where I am. God wants you to honor him with what he's already given you. And so this is going to be our foundational scripture for our series. It comes out of Matthew 6. 24, and we've used this scripture a lot, but it's really, really foundational, and it has to be step one for us. We have to see money for what it is, and we have to see how God defines money. And so it says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus said. There's another point in the Gospels. Forgive me, I can't think of the, the address right now. It escapes me. But Jesus met with a rich man, and after he left, he, he told his disciples how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the gates of heaven. You can't serve two masters. Money is a terrible. Somebody say terrible. Wait, where's Matt Green at? We could do a Charles Barkley. That's terrible. Money's terrible. He was an Auburn fan, Matt is, and Barkley was an Auburn player. But money is a terrible master. Many people are serving money and using God. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants to flip that. He wants us to simply use money for good, pay your bills, put some money away for a rainy day, honor God with the tide, he wants you to use money and serve God. Use money, serve God. When you do that, who is your master? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ becomes your master. Because you see that he is, he, he, he's the author and finisher of your faith. You see that he's everything. He's, you say, you know what? When, when, me and, when me and Jessica made up our minds before we were dating, she had already been tithing for a while. And it took me a while. I was a Christian for about four or five years before I became a faithful tither. But when I made that decision, my life changed. I began to see that I can't just give to God when I feel like I can afford to give to God. If you say, I can't give to God because I can't afford it, you will never step into faithful giving. You know why? Because God don't want your leftovers. Let me say that again. God don't want your leftovers. He wants your firsts. If God is your first, why would you give him leftovers or nothing at all? You remember Cain and Abel? 
talked about that last week for a brief second. God accepted Abel's gift because he brought the first, the best. And he rejected Cain's offering because he brought the leftovers. Serve God and use money to serve God. To, to sow things into the kingdom of God, to sow into to missions, to sow into your home church, to, to, to sow and help the hurting and the broken. Jesus said, he said, if you, have, if you have clothed me, if you have fed me, if you have housed me, then you have loved me. You have known me. How do we do all those things? Through money, through giving. That's how we, we, we turn the love Love of money is the evil thing. That's how we turn money and use it for good and how we serve God and we use money for good. Look at that next point. And money, we have to see money's powerful. Say that with me. Money is powerful. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. You can use it for the kingdom of heaven or you can use it for the kingdom of darkness. You can use it for the kingdom of heaven or you can use it for the kingdom of darkness. So it says, money is powerful because it can steal our love and devotion and become master of our lives. If we don't master money, it will master us. Right? If you don't have a budget, if you aren't fine-tuning uh, the blessings that God has given you each week and giving it out and setting yourself up, figuring out your expenses, figuring out how much it, it costs for the kids' sports, figuring out how much it costs to get to work each week, all these things. This is how we secure and maintain and, and see the flocks that God has given me. Being faithful with the flocks that God has given me. And when I'm faithful with the flocks that God has given me, he begins to bring a supernatural increase. Because he who is faithful with receives much. Right? If you're faithful in what he's given you, he'll give you more. So I know that we need money. God knows that you need money. You have limitless resources from heaven if you desire, right? So if God knows that you need money, chase him and your needs will take care of themselves, right? Ever since I started faithfully giving, and we give beyond the tithe at the end of the year, I love getting that statement and seeing how much we sowed into the kingdom of God. It excites me. It excites me. I'm storing up treasure in heaven when, when, when we do that. And we're going to talk about that today. But ever since I started tithing, guess what I have never had to do in almost, in almost 10 years now, eight years of being a faithful giver and tither. I have never had to pray for money from God. There have been a lot of moments where we needed money. The air unit went out last year on the coldest day. Bam, $4,000. Because we honored God with what he gave us, we already had it. We've had cars break down. And I never, my prayer is never, God, give me more money. Now, I got a lot of problems. <laughs> I got a lot of circumstances. But my prayer is never, God, give me more money. My prayer is, God, I need you. Help me. And he always does. 
And nine times out of ten, we already have that money in an emergency fund. And guess what? That emergency fund fulfills its purpose. It pays for the emergency. And when that thing gets depleted, ugh, somebody says, ugh. It hurts, but guess what we do? We faithfully refill it, and it fulfills its purpose the next rainy day. And so I've never had to pray, God, I need money. God, I don't know how I'm going to make the, the mortgage payment this month. God, I need money. God, I don't know how I'm going to get to work this week. God, I need money. That is a shallow prayer. And if you're not giving God and being faithful to God with what he's already given you, is he going to answer that prayer? Maybe. I don't know. But that's a shallow faith. That's a shallow prayer. God wants more, a more intimate relationship with you than just being your loan officer. <laughs> Jesus Christ, forgive us if we ever try and make you our loan officer. God, I got so many problems, I just need more money. No, you need more Jesus. You need more of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. When your joy, how sick is this? When your joy is directly connected to how much is in your bank account, something's wrong. Oh, my bank account looks good this week. Praise you, Jesus. It's depleted next week. I ain't got enough jobs lined up this week. Lord, give me more money. You go up and down. Your joy is supposed to be something that nobody can steal from you because Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. Right? Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. It says, Yet true godliness with contentment, I love this, is in and of itself great wealth. That joy I'm talking about, when you know the love of God, when you have peace in God, knowing that he's got you no matter what happens. If the car breaks down, if the air unit goes out, if you got a leaky roof, if your kid gets sick and you ain't got insurance, the contentment of knowing the joy of who the Lord is, in and of itself, Timothy says, is wealth. Supernatural wealth from heaven. He says, after all, verse 7, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. No truer statement's ever been said, I don't think. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Somebody say content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierce themselves with many sorrows. If you're chasing money, you're gonna, you are gonna shoot holes all in your your visions, your plans. If you're chasing money, you're, you're gonna pierce yourself. You're, you're, you're gonna hurt not just the plan of God in your life. You're gonna sabotage yourself if money is your everything. But what I want to say is, money is indifferent. Money is, as I said at the top of this, just a tool. It, the money itself is indifferent. It's not evil. It's, it's not good. It's how you use it that determines whether it's going to be good or evil. So it's the love of money. That's the sin. The love of money, the chasing of money, the, that's never enough is the sin. It's the love, the, the root of the sin, the love of money. 
Look at that next point. Another reason money is powerful is because it reveals the true condition of our heart. Where your treasure is, there your hearts will also be. Money reveals passion, and it creates passion. If you're passionate about the kingdom of God, you're going to faithfully give into the vision of God. It creates passion. You know, if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? And so if you're doing something that you love, you have that passion. It's, it's a natural passion that burns inside of you. And nothing is going to stop you from, from, from accomplishing that thing, right? You're going you're gonna to do whatever you can to see that thing succeed. We need believers and Christians that believe that much in the local church. Come on, somebody that believe enough to get some skin in the game and by faithfully giving to where they're faithfully getting filled every Sunday. You know, as a pastor, Sunday for me is game day. I hope and pray that we have new people that come in through these doors. I make sure everything's ship-shaped. I don't want no trash in the parking lot. I want these rows to be straight. You might see me if you come in early. I'm checking these curtains to make sure they look good. I want our worship team to be on point. Man, they was on point this morning, wasn't they? I want my media team here early. I want my sound team here early. I want my ushers in place. Because you know what? You only get one first impression. But when I say Sunday's game day for the church, I say that because I feel like a lot of Christians look at church like an all-you-can-eat buffet. The doors open. They come. They drink coffee. They check in their kids. Y'all pray for our children's ministers, y'all. They watch your kids every week. Give them some praise so that you can come in here and get filled up. They do it for free. You drop your kids off. You come in. I hope that the worship team's on fire and you feel and experience the presence of God. I hope I, I say something that sticks with you and God stirs you up. And they come and they eat and they take and they take and they take and then they go. And that's I want you to come. But what I want you to see is this is a BYOB type of party. Not that type of BYOB. Y'all know I come from addiction, right? Anybody been to a BYOB party? Uh-huh. I'm talking about bring your own blessing. What sacrifice of praise are you bringing to the party to help run these facilities, to help maintain these facilities, to get some skin in the game, to help us go to the next level, right? Because when you go to a party, right, you bring something. You bring a drink. You bring a food. You bring a dessert. I just got done finishing. I'm, I'm going through the yearly Bible. Got done finishing reading Leviticus, the book of the law. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Well, he talks a lot about sacrifices. You know, as they built the, the temple and the tent, the tabernacle tent, the priest stood at the outer courts. And for you to be right with God, you had to bring a sacrifice, an offering of praise. Do you know your tithe is an offering of sacrifice? Your bank account kind of goes, uh, a little bit. It's an offering of sacrifice. How, how funny would this look if me and the usher stood out the front door this Sunday you came to church, and we said, hey, where's your bull for sacrifice? 
Uh, where's your turtle doves for sacrifice? Uh, where's your ram for sacrifice? Oh, you didn't bring nothing? <laughs> we can't pray for you. You know, that's the same God. We sung about the same God this morning, right? That's the same heart of God. That'd be just like modern day saying, hey, did you bring your tithe today? No? Better go somewhere else. Now, we would never do that, right? I'm just trying to paint a picture of the type of faith that God wants us to step into. Because if he's the same God, for the nation of Israel to be right, they had to bring a sacrifice of praise. Hey, and guess what? Here's how it even paints a greater picture. They didn't just have to bring any old ram, any old sheep, any old turtle. They had to bring the best. A spot-free, blemish-free sheep that had no defect. And then they would kill it, offer it. And you know what's crazy? This, this altar is a beautiful picture, spotless, clean picture, love of God. I love seeing come up here, people come up here and pray. Back in the day, this altar would be a mess with blood and guts and burning. It was a reminder of the people's sins. And so this new covenant's way better. Somebody say way better. But I wonder if we're not reminded enough of the repercussions of our sin. Because if I have to slaughter a goat in here, clean its entrails, empty it on this altar, burn it onto the Lord, am I going to think about my sin? You know how long it takes to slaughter an animal? And the priests did that all day long for the nation of Israel. That's all they did all day. Man, I'm glad I'm a modern-day pastor. I can pray for you. Man, I can do that. I don't know if I can slaughter 4,000 goats in a day, clean all their guts out, burn it. Y'all go home and read Leviticus this week and learn about that same God we were singing about today. God, now he just says, bring your tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house. We got it easy, y'all. Jesus is that sacrifice forever. So we don't have to do that. That's why it's so good. We got it made, and we don't even realize it. We got it so made. Don't let that keep us lukewarm because we got it made. Don't let us get stuck and comfortable or just taking things for granted. Don't take this building for granted. This building took blood, sweat, and tears and prayers. Who helped us work on this building when we got it? Man, remember what this place looked like when we got it? It was a dead building, but it's alive now in Jesus' name. Own the place you go to church. Look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves what? Treasures where? In heaven. Treasures in heaven. If, if we just read in 1 Timothy that says we come into this world with nothing and we're going to leave this world with nothing, then why am I trying to build my kingdom in this temporary place? You can't take your four-wheelers with you to heaven. <laughs> you can't, I, I can't take my shoe collection with me to heaven. Man, that's going to stink. 
I love my shoes, my devil stompers. I can't take my guns with me to heaven. Man, that's going to stink. I like my guns. And so am I sowing everything in this life that is all going to die, pass away, perish? And if I haven't stored anything up in heaven, there's not going to be anything there waiting for me. Because you reap what you sow, right? Pick up there where it says, still there, verse 20, it says, Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves never break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. How you use money reveals the condition of your heart. If money's your everything, you're going to live an emotional life like this. If God's your everything, yeah, you're going to have emotional moments, but if you have a lot of money or no money at all, God is still steady. My joy comes from Him. Right? So please hear me. Don't gain the entire world and lose your soul. And as your pastor, I value your soul more than I value your toes. That was supposed to be funny because hopefully I'm stepping on some. So if you limp out of here today, I love you. I love the value. I value your soul more than I value your feelings. Because God loves you. God wants to see you in heaven. Right? But we have to make it a sacrifice of praise. There has to be a personal investment in my, t- in my, my eternal home. Right? Look at Malachi 3.10. I've already referenced this a bunch today. It says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. So there may be food in my house, God says. And money, look at that next point. Another reason money is powerful. Money is powerful because it can be exchanged for eternal treasure. Think of that. The money that you have, excuse me, now can be sown and exchanged we talked about a divine exchange at the Encounter 44 this weekend. And you can exchange it for eternal treasure just based on the way that you use it, either to glorify God or glorify yourself, glorify God or glorify the enemy, glorify God or glorify your bank account. Right? An exchange can happen, eternal, an exchange of eternal treasure. We're buying and selling trucks, buying and selling trading stocks with eternity. Come on, somebody. Right? And so wealth and reward, it says, financial wealth is spiritual seed that has the potential to become an eternal reward. The potential. See, potential is a funny word. On the positive side, we'll give ourselves grace. Man, I got, I got a lot of potential. Or you'll see potential in other people, and that's good. And there's potential in the money that you have. Potential for signs, miracles, and wonders to happen. Potential for you to love on people, bless people. Potential for this church to grow. Potential for you to get your finances in order and in shape. But on the flip side, if you don't do anything with that potential, what happens? Nothing happens. (laughs) So potential's... A great word, it's a great promise. But potential can stay potential, or by faith you can turn potential into victory in Jesus' name. And it's not going to change overnight. It's not going to just happen. You, by faith, have to change potential into the blood of Christ. You have to change potential into the love of God. You have to change potential into forgiveness 
into faith. And that's what God's calling us and inviting us to do today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this next year. God blesses his children so we can be a blessing, right? Sowing into the kingdom of God is how you do that. Did you know, I believe we've said this a lot, at both campuses, every month, we, we call it tithing on the tithe. So all the tithes that come in, we help people, and they call us all the time, people that really need help. They're in a tough spot. You know, they need their water bill paid, or they need their electrical bill paid. They, maybe they don't have money for Christmas for their kids, or Whatever it may be, there's, there's, there's problems, there's life, there's circumstances, there's hard times. And so when you faithfully give and tithe at Liberty Church, you can know, you can rest easy that 10% of that every month is going to go back into our own community to show people the love of Christ. That's good stuff, right? So not only is God's storehouse being filled when we do that, but we are also blessing other people. With, from that same storehouse. That's awesome. That's, that's the vision. That's the love of God. Right? Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. We're about wrapped up. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. To do good. They should, uh, excuse me, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be uh, storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. It says at the top of that, do not put your trust in your money. So a way that we believers, that we Christians, put our faith in God, the best way that you can demonstrate your trust in a God that you profess and confess in is by faithfully giving. There's only one part in the whole Bible where God says, test me in this. Only one part in the entire Bible where God says, test me and this, and he's talking about the tithe. He says, if you don't believe me, fine. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to come and see, if you faithfully tithe, what can happen to you? Test me. I don't know about you, but I believe my God's not a liar. He's faithful, he's just, and he's true. So if you're on the fence, test him. Test him and see what happens to your finances when you begin to give him the first and stop giving them the leftovers. When you by faith pre-decide to say, no matter what my, my bills look like, I'm giving them the 10%. See what happens. I guarantee you he'll bless you. That last point today. Here's the question. And living in the country that we live in, and we're still the most blessed nation in the world, do you know that? But living in the country that we live in, living in the time that we live in now with technology the way it is, I wonder if a lot of us have fooled ourselves. God is love. Yes, God is love, but that word love has been perverted upside down and backwards. And so God wants us to bring a sacrifice of praise. 
And so I wonder if we've been fooled. We've been fooling ourselves. Because God doesn't prosper us just so that we can have more. I can have more shoes and more hoodies. I love them things. But I love my God more. Right? God wants you to have a nice house. He wants you to have a nice car. He wants you to have a good job. But he wants you to know that it all came from him. And if you really trust that it came from him, how are you showing him that? Right? He prospers us so that we can give more. The more that we give back to God, the more he gives to us. Here's the thing. You cannot outgive God. I've tried. You cannot outgive a, a limitless, resourceful God. You need resources from heaven. Do you know that? Here's the thing. I wonder if some of us know I can't outgive God. God's so good. So that keeps me from giving it all. Right? Okay, I, I know I can't outgive God, so why do I even need to give? He's just so good. That's a lie from the enemy. Just because you can't outgive God, don't let that stop you from giving. Right? Last scripture I want to give you is Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. Y'all know this part. Y'all love it. We use it all the time, right? When I need something good to happen in my life, how's it go? You get a, a good measure, right? Press down, shaking together, and running over, right? I love that. It makes me feel good, right? I feel like I could be a rap almost, right, Rob? Like, good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over, right? It makes me feel good. It makes me feel giddy, right? But do you know where he starts out before that, before he gets into all that stuff? What does it say? It says, Give. Give. Give first before all that stuff. You want all that other stuff? Then get some skin in the game. Give first, it says. It says it will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure, somebody say same measure. With that same measure that you give will be added onto you. So if you give more than the 10%, you, you, you give extra, God gives you extra, pressed down, shaking together, running over full of your bosom in Jesus' name. So I want to give more. I can't outgive God, but I want to give more because God's going to give me more. I don't give so that I can receive. I give because I love God. Do you see that? I give because I believe. And giving is always the first step in receiving. We say obedience precedes blessing, right, all the time? It does. Obedience precedes blessing, but maybe giving precedes receiving. I can't receive if I don't first give. I need to give something to this God if he's that good. That should naturally want to come out of you when you experience how good Jesus is. You would say, God, you're so good. 10% is all you ask? How good is our God? It's all His. And all He wants is a measly 10%. And that's still too much for a lot of us. He could ask for the whole thing and collect the whole note. Y'all better be lucky it ain't eating as God. That's probably what I'd do. Give me the whole 100%. That's our evil heart. Right? That's our evil flesh. God says if you just bring the 10%, your 90% will be blessed 10 times over your 100%. Come on, somebody. God can do more with your 90% if you give him the 10% than you can do in the natural with all of it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Test him. Test him. 
Amen. Y'all join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you are the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Lamb of God, Jehovah Jireh, God the Provider. We honor you. We see you as provider. God, forgive us if we look at ourselves as our own providers. Help us serve you and simply use money. God, let us not serve money and use you. I pray you would use this church to help the hurting, the broken, the lost. God, we call on you now, a faithful giving church, that you would use us to bless other people. God, I want to be the shiniest, brightest beacon of hope in the, the city of Holly Pond, where when somebody visits anywhere in this city, if it's Jack's, if it's SNS, if it's another church and they need help, they would say, you know what? We can't help you here right now, but I heard down the road, it's called Liberty Church. If you go there, they will help you. I want to be that church. I want to be that church. Let us be that church, Lord. If you're here visiting us in our sanctuary today, or if you're watching us online, I know I talked a, a lot about money, a practical message. Money is spiritual, but the first step to you getting any kind of financial freedom or financial success is Jesus Christ has to be your Lord and Savior. And so if, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, you don't know him as personal, a personal God. If you don't talk to him every day, if you're not praying to him every day, you don't, you're not living for him every day, then, then God is not your, he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. And I, I don't want you to, to leave here today that the same way. I don't want you to leave watching this. If you're watching online, leave the same. I want to change that. I want you to experience and know that God loves you and experience and know and feel that peace of God in your heart that says you're loved, you're forgiven. And it's so easy. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And so if you want to be born again today, I want you right now, no one's looking at you, no one's watching. I want you to do something for me just so that I can see that you're hearing from God. I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand up real high, high in this place. I'm going to give you a few seconds. Like I said, no one's watching you. If you're watching online and you're making that decision, put something in the chat, please. Say, I'm making that decision right now. Or if you want to put a raised hand emoji in there, do that. I'll have somebody pray with you. If you are born again, I'll pray for the lost, please. Pray for the lost. Give you a few more moments. If you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, no one is physically raising their hands and here in the sanctuary, but praise God. Praise God, their hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. Keep them hands raised. God sees you. The family of, family of God is growing in Jesus' name. Liberty Church rejoices with you. You can put those hands down. Thank you so much for that faith. I want you to know that God sees you and he loves you. And don't think about your past. Think about this as a 
a moment in time that's going to be cemented where you say, you know what? No, on that day, my heart changed. God's presence came into my heart and flooded my life and flooded my mind because that's what's going to happen. I believe it in Jesus' name. So I'm going to lead a song of prayer. I want you all to repeat after me loud and proud. The family of God just grown, just grown in Jesus' name. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We accept you now. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. We confess that Jesus Christ is Savior, Messiah of the world. Holy Spirit, come. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me of my past. Redeem my future. And help me live a life honorable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So awesome. Praise God. Somebody give him a hand. Give God a hand. Not for me, for Jesus. Amen. That is so awesome. That blesses me. That's why we do what we do. Anybody glad you came to church today? Yeah. I know all them Encounter 44 folks did. Right? Well, we're so glad y'all came too, okay? We love you very much. Y'all are dismissed. Enjoy your Sunday. And uh, we hope to see you next week. Bring somebody to church with you next week.